0: Definitely for us, moving to Ethiopia was a big growth. I think being on the trajectory in the U.S. of my career, going really well, kids, bought our first house, married, like, I'm doing all the right things that are leading me in that direction. To then leave that, all the income and everything else, and just literally sell everything and go to Ethiopia. I mean, it was like a going 180 degree change, but it made me so happy, and it like brought more joy than I could have ever imagined.
1: Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success. And my hope as always is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed part one of our conversation with Ian Bentley, co founder and CEO of Parker Clay. I'm so excited to share part two of the conversation. I just love the social enterprise work Ian is doing with his wife, Brittany. And Ian drops some more gems. So we'll start with Ian's advice on non traditional career paths. And per usual, I think you're going to love the rest of this conversation. So let's get to it.
0: I think. Knowing that often the obstacle is the way and knowing that the obstacle is often what can shed a light and illuminate the path that you can take. I think sometimes we want to avoid the obstacle. And, you know, in a lot of ways that might be a better path, but often it's the stuff that we go through and the stuff that we have to face that transforms and turns us into this really big opportunity. I think another one is be kind to yourself. It's just... We tend to be really hard on ourselves, and I think we need to be kinder to ourselves with some of this stuff. Life is hard. I mean, look, we've just gone through a pandemic, unprecedented times of the world, the stuff that's happening around shootings around the US. I mean, you've got just so much hard things that we're facing beyond just the work and entrepreneurship. I think we need to be kind on each other and take care of each other in ways that just we check in. And give each other that grace to be able to know that we're all facing some tough stuff. And so, you know, recharge so that you have that capacity to go back in and, and keep going. And I think a part of that too is create some space where you're not performing necessarily. I mean, in other words, I've heard some people say, create an hour a day where you can just be like stupid. Where you're just literally like, I'm not thinking about anything. Where do you let your mind go? I've found that sometimes creating some of that space is what generates some of the most creative thoughts. If I can allow my brain to kind of shut down from all the other mechanical pieces I have to do, it unlocks some of the most creative pieces uh, that can lead to some of the biggest opportunities. So, and again, this is where like Brittany and I balance each other well, because you will say hey let's go for a walk let's go get lunch let's you know not she's a very hard worker too but sometimes those moments are what gets me out of the norm and opens up those fresh thinking fresh opportunity
1: Yeah. No, another one. I think that's great advice. And I'm also just curious about fundraising. We do have some entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast and I want to know about your fundraising journey. Is there a specific fundraising method that was extremely successful or do you have any lessons learned from the fundraising journey?
0: It's another one. Get used to saying, hearing a lot of no's and feeling that sense of rejection to some level. But It turns out that the people who say no are not the right people you want to have with you, you know, and you're looking for the right people to come alongside. And that's one of the big things I've learned uh, along the way with that resilience. We've gone through a few rounds of fundraising in 2018. I was working two jobs when we moved back from Ethiopia. And we moved back because my daughter at the time, youngest, we found out she had a brain tumor. And we had adopted another daughter in Ethiopia and we were pregnant with our fifth. So it was total craziness when we moved back from Ethiopia in 2015. I took on a a second job back in real estate, worked two jobs. And then 2018, we got Parker Clay big enough to take on our first angel investor and really push in full-time. Or I say I was working two full-time jobs basically. So it was one full-time job with Parker Clay. But that was a huge boost for us for the business. And we have taken on a few, I would say, friends and family angel rounds that we've done. And then we were last year kind of at the point of looking at what most would look at as a traditional Series A fundraising round. We had proven our concept, grown our business, and we wanted to scale. We wanted to scale and grow even bigger. And it was an interesting moment because what... Most entrepreneurs would look at is a more traditional series A that includes very institutional, big venture capital money, which is not a bad option for some. You just got to know exactly what that means, which happy to talk more if anyone <laughs> wants to about that. But we were interested in the idea of the community. We've always been about community. There's an African proverb that we use all the time, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And we always say that we go together. So when we heard about this crowdfunding opportunity, which was a newer initiative, President Obama put in place around being able to say, hey, small business is the backbone of this country with so many jobs that are created through it. We have a way of investing in some of these bigger corporations through a you know publicly traded company, but there's not as easy of an opportunity to invest when they're smaller. Unless you are an accredited investor, which means you make a certain amount of money and you have a certain amount of assets. For many people, that's not an option. And this idea of democratizing investment was very interesting to us to say, we want our community not only to be part of this and buying products and creating that impact through that, but here's where we're going. We're trying to become a fashion brand that is based in Africa, but that is sold around the world that people know about, and that it becomes a household name around the world. And this is a huge business opportunity where also if you invest, that you get to be part of that as well. And so we started what's called a Regulation A+, which essentially is a crowdfunding campaign where we're able to raise equity and sell shares of our company for a minimum investment of 500 $500. And it's been really fun to hear the community engage. We just had a a warehouse sale a couple months ago. And a woman came up to me and she said, Ian, I'm one of your investors. And I'm so excited about it. My husband bought me shares and we're, you know, it's like, she was so excited to share about that. And I think that's exactly what we're looking for is that this community who is conscious consumers, who does care about the impact we make, Also, loves the idea of saying, wait, we can invest and help this grow and benefit from what that growth could look like. And so, yeah, so we just launched that. We're right in the middle of it. We created a whole campaign around it. There's a website you can go to to learn more. It's invest.parkerclay.com. And we've got all the details that are there. Anything you want to know about the company in depth is on that page. And we're excited because it's a unique way that we're going about this fundraising effort more so than the traditional, but it really is based on the foundation of what we want to accomplish, the impact we want to have, and building it together with community.
1: Wow. I love that so much. Thank you. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, everyone, so that you can look at that up because I'm going to look it up as well because I am very excited about the community. So yeah, that's wonderful. Going back to your the humanity part, I'm just curious, was there a period in your life where you experienced a lot of personal growth? And can you tell us about that time?
0: Definitely for us, moving to Ethiopia was a big growth. I think being on the trajectory in the US of my career going really well, kids, bought our first house, married, like I'm doing all the right things that are leading me in that direction. To then leave that, all the income and everything else, and just literally sell everything and go to Ethiopia. I mean, it was like a going a 180 degree change, but it made me so happy and it like brought more joy than I could have ever imagined. And that was also, you know, it was a hard place because I think a big, big piece for us is really our identity and where we find our truth and value and what we associate our value with. And I think for me, it was always like, well, I can be successful. I can make good money for my family and things like that. And that was almost like a, I remember even talking to my wife, She was like, this was a more valuable thing for our marriage and our family than anything else we could have done just because it was real. And it was like very much about the good we could do in the world too. And, and the impact we could make. Now we're not all going to like move to Africa, right? Get that. That's not the calling on every life. Thank goodness. But it was a big thing of growth. Cause I remember I was even showing up to meetings and, and thinking as a, you know, frankly, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's just, I was the white man from the U S in the room. Yeah. And there is a privilege that comes with that and getting to the truth in Ethiopia to build those authentic relationships. And now like Ian, no, that's not the way we do things here. And me going like, Oh, okay. Yes. Let me listen. And I do think there is a reason why God gave us one mouth and two ears. Like listening is very important. And so that was a big learning curve. I think through that whole process of cross cultural and transition. And then, you know, also as a family, like growing as a family there was a big personal growth for us. It was easy to also work very hard, even though it was more of a nonprofit mindset because there was so much passion involved. And I remember at one point feeling like I was also so. Overly working to make this successful on that side, that it was impacting my family life. And it got to a point where I could tell my wife and I were kind of butting heads. I'd come home from work and in the place like Addis Ababa, she was at home doing a lot of homeschooling. I'd come back from being in the city. I was tired and she's like, I need to get out of here. The kids are driving me crazy. And we're like, how do we balance this? Well, I ended up writing a resignation letter and putting it in an envelope and just saying, this is for you to hand to, you know, this partnership we were working with, this nonprofit in Ethiopia. And I was like, if I'm not being the best husband, being the best father, like that gets turned in, no questions. And you turn it in. And I want you to have that full like authority and right to do that if that's not what I'm doing. And so there was a lot of like introspective work that I did, I think for sure. And I still do today where anytime, if I'm upset with how my, Team is performing, or we miss something. It's not the first question in my mind. Isn't you guys come on? What are you thinking? It's very introspective. Where it's like if I haven't communicated something well, that's on me, and I need to come back and make sure it's communicated well and that we're clear. And then if it keeps happening, obviously there's there's an issue there. But I think that was there's been a lot of lessons learned about the reflection point and being introspective and making sure as a leader you look inward versus just pointing the finger outward. So that's been a big part of the journey, I think, over the last handful of years.
1: Yeah, no, that's such great wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. And I usually end the podcast with final thoughts. So if you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share, please do.
0: No, great questions and great conversation. I think the idea of if there's one thing is be kind on yourself. I don't know. I just think that resonates in so many ways today is that we can have this great life of hustle and grind and doing really great things and being successful. But at the end of the day, I really believe that we all have been put on earth for a purpose and that there is an insane value that everybody brings to the table. And the more we get to celebrate that value, amongst each other and look at each other and all of our differences, that it will create something so powerful and so beautiful that it will change the way that we do life and the challenges and the problems we have in this world. And I hope we can do that more. I hope that that we can create space to have those conversations like this and to encourage people to be part of that. I'm open. I love if anybody wants to reach out, happy to chat more about those types of things. So please find me and let's keep having these conversations.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.